0: Well, I invite you to turn uh, to the other side of your bulletin. You'll find our text for this evening, this afternoon, excuse me, uh, comes from Luke chapter 11, verses 37 to 54, as we continue on in our study of Luke's gospel. Beginning in verse 37, it says, While Jesus was speaking, a Pharisee asked him to dine with him. So he went in and reclined at table. The Pharisee was astonished to see that he did not first wash before the dinner. And the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees cleanse the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You fools! Did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But give us alms those things that are within, and behold, everything is clean for you. But woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb and neglect justice and the law of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Woe to you, Pharisees, for you love the best seat in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, for you are like unmarked graves, and people walk over them without knowing it. One of the lawyers answered him, Teacher, And saying these things, you insult us also. And he said, Woe to you, lawyers, also! For you load people with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. Woe to you! For you build the tombs of the prophets whom your fathers killed. So you are witnesses, and you consent to the deeds of your fathers. For they killed them, and you build their tombs. Therefore also the wisdom of God said, And you hindered those who were entering. As he went away from there, the scribes and the Pharisees began to press him hard and to provoke him to speak about many things, lying in wait for him to catch him in something he might say. Uh, Well, our passage this afternoon uh, continues on in a, a series of discussions that Jesus has had as Jesus has been giving really a series of warnings and judgments against unbelief. So we considered in the past those who said that Jesus cast out demons by the power of Satan. We've seen in previous weeks Jesus condemning those who do not believe in him, saying that he is like the sign of Jonah. And yet now we see this series of warnings and judgment come to a very particular and private moment. As Jesus interacts with some of the prominent leaders of the religion of Israel at this time, he begins to address privately and particularly these religious leaders in Israel. And I think our passage this afternoon has particular importance and particular interest for us because these figures that Jesus here interacts with in the text are very prominent figures throughout all of the gospel accounts. Uh, Particularly, we might think of the Pharisees. And so as we've gone through Luke and as you read through any of the Gospel accounts, you see them continually coming up and interacting with Jesus. Uh, We know them as sort of the the great enemies of the Gospel, and the great enemies of Christ uh, in the Gospel accounts. And so it's important for us to consider what Jesus has to say to them here. Uh, We also know that the Pharisees have, uh, in a sense, become sort of the, the example of bad religious people. Uh, it's a great insult if someone calls you a Pharisee. It means you're sort of a, a bad religious person. Uh, and so it's important for us to understand what, what, what do we mean by the Pharisees? What does it mean to be a Pharisee? Uh, what exactly is their problem? And I think it's important for us to consider this from this text because uh, in a sense there, there's, there are also differing opinions about what exactly the, the central problem of these Pharisees and other religious leaders were. In fact, I was just recently listening to a a Reformed theologian give a a different kind of take than what's normally given on on the central problem of the Pharisees. And so it's important for us to consider what the Lord Jesus here teaches us in our passage. And and in our passage, we find here this afternoon uh, one of, if not the most clear statement of Jesus' case against the religious leaders at this time. What we, we find here, Jesus addressing them and giving a clear statement of what he finds to be wrong with the religious leaders. And so if we were to summarize the, the, the central concern of Jesus in this passage, uh, the central critique that Jesus here gives, I think we could say it in this way, uh, that Jesus in our passage condemns and warns against hypocritical religion. He warns against hypocrisy, uh, mere formalism when it comes to religion. Religion. And so it's important for us to understand what this means, and understand that this warning that Jesus gives is not simply for the Pharisees and religious leaders in this time, but it is a warning for the church in all ages, that we would not see this kind of, of false, hypocritical, formalistic religion creep up into our hearts and into our churches. And so this afternoon, as we consider this passage, I'd like to consider it with, by looking at two points. Two points. Uh, First, by considering hypocritical living, and secondly, by considering hypocritical teaching. So, first, hypocritical living, and secondly, hypocritical teaching. And our first point, hypocritical living, we find particularly in verses 37 to 44. Uh, and, And you'll notice at the beginning of the passage the context in which this is occurring. Uh, Jesus has been speaking, we've been considering his discourses in previous weeks, and as he's speaking, it says in verse 37, a Pharisee asks him to come in and dine with him. And certainly we don't know the exact motive of this Pharisee, uh, whether it was good and he wanted to hear more of what Jesus had to say, uh, or whether it was bad and he was seeking to trick Jesus and to trap him. We, we know not the motive, but he does bring him in and Jesus obliges and comes in to eat with him a meal. And yet we see that the central incident that leads to this confrontation of verse 38. The Pharisee there, it says, was astonished to see that Jesus did not first wash before the dinner. He did not first wash before the dinner. Uh, It is interesting to note that this word wash there is the word for baptism. Uh, baptizo in the Greek, and uh, certainly there, there, there's a point there we can make about uh, the, the, the Baptist's claim to uh, immersion being the only mode of baptism. Uh, and, that, and that being false, for certainly I, I think the Pharisee was not asking Jesus to jump in a pool before he came to dinner. Uh, but that's a point for, for another time. But we see the concern that the Pharisee has. He, he's concerned that Jesus has not washed before he's come to dinner. Uh, We ought not to understand this concern as as simply sort of a a concern of hygiene, uh, that he thinks it's strange, unhygienic, that Jesus hasn't washed his hands before he's come to dinner. Uh, But but no, there's there's something deeper at work here that this Pharisee is concerned about. Uh, In fact, this is a religious, uh, a legal, a, a cleanliness concern that this Pharisee has. He's concerned that Jesus has broken the ritual cleanliness laws. We know, as many authors have and writers have observed, that at this time in Judaism, there had arisen a set of oral traditions that had been built up over time with the law, interpreting the law, built up around the law, and this would be one of those things. One of those things that one commentator notes is not prescribed in the Old Testament. It's described. There are instances in the Old Testament of people washing their hands before they or washing themselves before they come to a meal. But this this is not something that has been prescribed by God in the Old Testament. But it's a law that has been built up in the oral tradition. Another commentator says that uh, before eating anything at this time, scrupulous Jews would pour water over their hands to remove the defilement contracted by their contact with a sinful world. So you see the concern that this Pharisee has. It's it's deeper than just hygiene. This is a religious concern that he has. Jesus has broken the traditions. And Jesus has broken this this religious cleanliness that he ought to have had. And so we find Jesus here using this as an opportunity to expose the, the central problem of these Pharisees. And to expose their false religion that they had built up and prided themselves on. So in this, this first point of hypocritical living, I think we ought to see three things that Jesus notices here. Three things that Jesus characterizes as part of hypocritical, or he might say formalistic, religion. And the First, I think we ought to see that it is marked by a concern for merely externals. A concern for merely external things. We see that in the beginning of Jesus' response in verse 39 and 40. Notice there he begins by saying that you Pharisees cleanse the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You notice the illustration that Jesus is here giving. All they are concerned about is cleaning the outside, as it were. They're concerned about looking religious on the outside about being physically clean, following the, the cleanliness laws that even they had built up. They, they were merely concerned about what they looked like on the outside. And yet, Jesus says, on the inside, they are not just a little bit dirty, but he says they are full of greed and wickedness. In a sense, it's, it's overflowing within them. The clean dish on the outside, once you look a little bit closer, Jesus says, is marked by rampant filthiness. Rampant sinfulness. I think in this way, these Pharisees at this time are joining in the sins that have so often marked God's rebellious people throughout redemptive history. Uh, This is so often um, God's critique against his people. Uh, They they sought to do technically what was right on the outside, and yet internally they were rebelling against God. We could notice uh, several different passages in which this is the case. Uh, Isaiah 29, verse 13. Uh, Jesus quotes this in the Gospel of Matthew, but in Isaiah 29, 13, God there speaks of His people and says that this people draw near to Me with their mouth and honor Me with their lips while their hearts are far from Me. And so we find that there even, in the Old Testament, the people of God, while they said the right things with their lips, while they looked good on the outside, their hearts were. We were far from God. And in fact, the, the heart religion, true, sincere, following after God, is what has been the substance of, of biblical religion from, from Genesis to Revelation. We see this in the Old Testament. Uh, even as, as David speaks in Psalm 51 of his confession of sins, he says there that God does not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. Uh, you will not be pleased with a burnt offering. But he says the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. And so you see the Pharisees are joining in this age-old sin. A concern to merely look righteous than to actually be righteous. A concern to look like they were following God instead of actually following God. And notice uh, the the, the grounds that Jesus gives for all of this in verse 40. He says in verse 40, You fools, did not he who made the outside make the inside also? The point there Jesus makes is that God is not simply concerned with our externals. Uh, He was never simply concerned with externals. Uh, the, The ritual purity laws that God gave in the Old Testament were never simply about being pure or clean externally, but they always pointed to an internal purity, an internal cleanliness by trusting in God, confessing our sins, and believing in the Messiah to come. You see, Jesus says God has made both body and soul, and so he is concerned with both body and soul. He's concerned with the inside man of each and every one of us. He is concerned with our internal cleanliness, Jesus says. And so even here, he, he's giving to them and to us a call to true and sincere religion. In verse 41, he says, give his alms, give his mercy, those things that are within. Not, not simply the externals as the Pharisees were doing, but he says, give from the things that are within, true religion, heartfelt, sincere following after God is what Jesus is here calling for. So we see the first characteristic of hypocritical living uh, is is a heart that is far from God. And yet secondly, we also see in verse 42 that Jesus speaks of them misconstruing God's word. They misconstrue God's word. In verse 42, it says that they they tithe mint and rue and every herb, and yet they neglect justice and the law of God. So you see, they, they were focused on the small things. They were concerned very deeply about the tithing and yet they failed um, to consider and to take seriously the substance of all of the law that God had given. Uh, The the, the real substance of biblical covenant religion with God, they had failed to understand. And this was true even in the the, the giving of the law at Sinai that God had given to the people of God in the Old Testament. We know this because Jesus summarizes the, the, the central concern, the The centrality of the law in Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 and 40. Uh, You'll remember these words, we confess them, and every evening as we read God's law before we confess our sins, where there Jesus says that it is the love of God and the love of neighbor that is the the central concern of the law. That's the, the center of biblical religion. In fact, he says, on these two things, all the law and the prophets depend. And so while the Pharisees, he says, were not necessarily focusing on bad things, for there he says that you ought to have focused on justice and the love of God without neglecting the others, they were, they were focusing on things that God had commanded here, yet they failed to consider the, the, the true things that God had commanded of them, the deepest, most substantial things that God had commanded of them. And lest we think that this is something that can just be true of the Pharisees and the religious leaders of Israel at the time, I, I think we see Jesus describe something similar of a church in the New Testament. In uh, Revelation chapter 2, the church of Ephesus, he describes many of the, the good things they were doing, and yet the one thing that they were missing was quite serious, Jesus says. And so there in Revelation 2, he speaks to the church of Ephesus and says, I know your works This is a concern and a danger, not simply for the Pharisees at this time, but for the church in all ages, for each and every one of our hearts, that we might misconstrue and misunderstand the central concerns of God's Word. I think thirdly and finally, we we, we see a third category of uh, of hypocritical living that Jesus here identifies, and that would be the the pride and self-centeredness that that characterizes the lives of these religious leaders. So, So look again at verse 43. Where Jesus there pronounces, woe upon them, for he says, you love the best seat in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. See, that they loved religion because in religion they were able to be lifted up. They loved to sit at the front of the synagogue. They loved to be seen as those who were abundantly righteous. He says that they, they love to be in the marketplaces and to be greeted by everyone and to be praised as, as the most zealous religious people of the day. They were in it, he says, for pride. They wanted their names to be glorified. And I think we ought to see how this third concern is, is really foundational for the other two. It is the, the concern of pride that leads them to not care about internal things but simply externals. Uh, to simply look good to others. To look religious and righteous to others. It it is a pride that leads them to not care about the the weighty matters of the law, but to focus on the smaller things, to neglect the weighty matters, so that they can be righteous in their own eyes. See, I think this is the the foundational problem with the Pharisees, their pride and their self-centeredness. And it is the foundational problem with all hypocritical Religion, all formalistic religion, is is at its center prideful and at its center self-centered. And so at the end of Jesus' concerns here in verse 44, we see the result of this kind of religion. The result of this kind of formalistic, hypocritical religion, he says, is that you are like unmarked graves and people walk over them without knowing it. It's important for us to understand what, what exactly Jesus means here. Uh, he, he's speaking of the fact that to, be a, an, to, to come into contact with a grave was to become ceremonially defiled. That's what Jesus is saying. Uh, one, one commentator, Leon Morris, describes it in this way. He says to come into contact with a grave was to incur ceremonial defilement. And so these Pharisees, Jesus says, are, as, as Morris describes, unsuspected sources of defilement. You see, in the end, Jesus says, they're the ones who are unclean. They're the ones who are unrighteous. And in fact, they lead others into unrighteousness. They themselves are not only defiled, but they defile others. So here, even as we consider Jesus' critique of hypocritical living, I think we ought to consider this as a warning for each and every one of us. Uh, that we would uh, be on guard against this kind of heart and this kind of religion creeping up into our own lives. That we would be on guard against this kind of thing marking the way we live our lives. And instead, that we would, we would heed Christ's warning. Uh, that we would not be marked by hypocrisy and formalism, but instead we would seek to love and serve God in spirit and in truth, as Jesus says in John chapter 4. I think that is the the central point for us that Jesus here gives. And so we consider our our first point, hypocritical living, but we also want to very briefly consider the the second point of of hypocritical teaching as Jesus engages with the lawyers there in verse verse 45. Uh, So so you see the context. Uh, Jesus, as he's been speaking to the Pharisees, there's evidently a lawyer in their midst. Uh, and, and the lawyer there is offended by the things that Jesus has said of the Pharisees. And so he addresses Jesus about this. And, and, and we're not to understand lawyers uh, here in the sense in which we would typically understand lawyers. Uh, but, but these are, we, we might say, lawyers of the church. Those who professionally studied God's law and sought to teach it and apply it to Israel at this time. And, and so what is it that Jesus says characterizes their hypocritical teaching? Well, we we want to notice three things very briefly. First, he says at the beginning that they add to God's word. He says they load people with burdens. Uh, They, in their oral traditions, added on to God's law. Uh, They they added things that God had not commanded and yet commanded them of God's people. And in so doing, they they burdened the people with things that they, they could not keep, with a righteousness that no one could keep. In fact, they themselves could not keep it. Jesus in Matthew 15 addresses a very similar concern where there he speaks of their additions to the fifth commandment to honor our father and our mother. And and Jesus says there that their additions, in effect, make void the word of God, he says, for the sake of your tradition. You see, they had added all these traditions onto God's word, which burdened the souls of God's people. But secondly, he says that they also persecuted sound teaching. And we notice there that Jesus says and and, and brings them in line with all of those rebellious people of God in the Old Testament who killed the prophets who came to them. Uh, Instead of receiving sound teaching, uh, instead of repenting at the the word of God that came through the prophets, they killed them and they persecuted them. And in effect, Jesus says here that, that you are the climax of all these things. So that in effect, the blood of all the prophets from the beginning of the world at Abel all the way through to the prophets at the end of the Old Testament, he says their blood will be required of this generation. And it will be required of this generation because they are rejecting the greatest prophet of God, God himself who has come in the flesh. They are rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ. And in rejecting Jesus Christ, they are joining in this long line of persecuting the prophets and persecuting the word of God. Thirdly and finally, in verse 52, we see that they lead others astray. So he says, Woe to you, lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter yourselves, and you hindered those who were entering. You see, they had the opportunity to make clear God's word to God's people, and yet instead, he says, they, they removed the key of knowledge. I think ultimately we ought to understand this key of knowledge to be the Lord Jesus Christ himself. For we know that we understand all of God's word by unlocking it through the key of Jesus Christ. We understand God's word by understanding Christ. And in rejecting Jesus here and leading Israel at this time to reject Jesus, he says that they are leading them astray into judgment and into sin. See, these are the central points of hypocritical teaching. And again, I think that this is not simply a problem for the Pharisees and the leaders of Israel in their day, but, but it is still an ever-present problem for the church in all ages. False and hypocritical teaching that can add to God's Word and, and lead people astray is always present, is always a danger. I think especially in our day, as the prevalence of of the Internet and the prevalence of options of people to listen to, this is still a problem for us. So I think it is important for us to heed Jesus' warning here, to watch against this kind of false religion and this kind of false teaching, and yet to to walk truly and sincerely in the faith that Jesus Christ has called us to, to, to offer up true sacrifices with true hearts that love and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. May this be what characterizes our lives as we pray together. O God in heaven, we do give thanks for your great word. We give thanks for the gift of faith that you give to your people. And so we ask that you would cause us by faith now to receive your word, to love your word, and to walk in accordance with it. All this we ask in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.